Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. That's our passage today. We're in a series of messages entitled, You Are Loved. Today featuring God's love for you is timeless. And this is what I mean. Here's the key concept. God loved you before you were born. God loved you before you were born. Psalm 139 is where we will kind of land as we look at God's Word today. And while you find that, let me make mention of the fact that there is something unique happening this weekend. This weekend, our nation pauses to recall two of the great moral issues of our day. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we recall the moral outrage of abortion. Tomorrow, Martin Luther King Day recalls the moral outrage of racism and injustice. And our key concept and the concepts that are embedded in the passage that we're going to look at today speaks to both of these issues. Because today we talk about life's sacredness at all of its levels of development, and we notice that that truth of life's sacredness is, is true for all, for all people. And that should eradicate racial prejudice. You see, God loves everyone. Every ethnic group, every language group, those of every skin tone, and He loves everyone before we are born. And when Jesus came on His mission of salvation, He always had in mind the bringing together of people from various backgrounds into one new family in Jesus Christ. And this family would end the immorality of racism and prejudice. In Christ, we are reconciled to God and we are reconciled to one another. Racism is erased by the blood of Jesus. And God's family has always been intended to be a multi-ethnic family. He calls people from every tribe and every nation. But there's more. That unity that we are meant to have inside the family of God is intended to be a shining example to the world that injustice based on race is immoral and against the will of God who loves all of us before we are even born. Human life is sacred from the moment of conception and all human life is sacred from the moment of conception. And these are the thoughts we bring to our passage today. So with those thoughts in mind, let's read Psalm 139. We're going to start our reading in verse 13. It says this, David is speaking. He says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God loves the unborn. He loved you while you were still in your mother's womb. Over the years of chatting with people in counseling sessions and informally, one of the things that I've noticed is a struggle that older parents have. What I mean by that is those people who delay having children for a period of time, maybe they put it off for whatever reason, but, but as that time moves along, uh, I, I, I've observed that 
Older parents wonder if they're going to be able to be the loving parent that they see in others. This is a common thing. It's a common question. They will see people strolling down the street with the baby carriage, you know, staring into that carriage with this blissful smile as they gaze upon the child. And you see such love in the face of those parents. The parent loves that child. They just absolutely pour love on that child. It just happens. And you, you, you think about yourself previous to having children, and you wonder, you know, am I going to be able to love that way? And you're not the parent of that child. And you don't look at that child the way the parent looks at that child in that baby carriage. And you might look inside that baby carriage and look at that child and not be so impressed. Right? You might, whoa, what happened here? You know. But you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say that. You must agree for the sake of your friendship. Oh, what a lovely child. You must do that because the parent loves that child. And prior to having kids, you say, I wonder if I'm ever going to be able to, to be like that. But then, when you have children, you see that this capacity for normal people, this capacity is hardwired in. And where does this capacity come from to, to love so abundantly? Well, it's an inherited trait. It comes from our Heavenly Father. We are all made in the image of our Heavenly Father who loves His children, and He loved you while you were yet unborn. Psalm 139 tells us a few things about the way that God relates to human beings still in the womb. It says, first of all, that God knew your identity before you were born. Go to verse 16. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, David is saying, I was a person before I ever breathed air. God knew me as an individual before I ever breathed air. Verse 16 of Psalm 139 contains the only place in all the Bible where there is a Hebrew word that could have been translated embryo. And it's the, it's the phrase here in English, unformed body. But it was God that was forming that little body. He was watching over you while you were in your mother's womb, planning for the days that would come your way. He saw your individuality in that watch care. And in that watch care, even though you were still inside your mother's womb, your days were uh, appearing to him as if it, they were all written out, already there in this figurative book in his mind. And that watch care continues after you're born, something we should rejoice in. David rejoices in, in the beginning of this psalm. Go with me to verse 1. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. These kind, of, these kind of thoughts, the watch care of God watching over me. Maybe you felt sometime in life that no one knows what you face. Or you felt someone that no one knows, you felt no one knows what you feel, or, or no one knows how life is treating you. I'm kind of going through this on my own. That's not true. God knows every detail. He knows all your travels. He knows all your habits. He knows all your ways. He knows exactly where you are all the time. Every once in a while, I get a message on my phone. It says, your location would be determined with more accuracy if you would turn on your Wi-Fi. And I think, 
well, maybe I don't want my location to be determined with a great degree of accuracy with whoever's on the other end of this Wi-Fi. But God always knows my location. And He knows yours as well. And that's good news. Why? Because He loves you. And He always has, even before you were born. God loves us before every, any human being loves us. Sure, you know, moms and dads-to-be, they love that unborn baby. Yes, they, they speak to the baby. I know dads, you know, talking into the tummy of the mom, you know. But all this love is love of anticipation, not knowledge. But God knows us already, even there. I know of a couple, they, they used to put headphones up to the mother's tummy and they played Mozart to the unborn child because they heard that playing Mozart to the unborn baby stimulates the intellect and they wanted a genius for a kid. And they were hoping for the best, but God already knew exactly what was coming. He knew exactly what this newly minted genius was going to be and what he was going to do all the days of his life in a figurative book. He sees you as an individual even there. And God saw your dignity before you were born. Look at verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. David is saying, God, anything you do is wonderful. The works that you produce, they're wonderful. And I am one of those works. So call me Mr. Wonderful. I know that full well. Our God is an uh, artist and a craftsman. He creates us just as He sees us. We live in a privileged time. We can see things that once were secret. We can peer into places that once were mysteries. And one of those places is the human womb. Go online. You can find all kinds of pictures on the Internet, amazing photos of developing babies. And God is the one doing that forming. It, he's knitting together that baby according to His plans. Each of us at every stage of development had dignity and meaning because each of us at every stage of that development were fully human. God sees that. God has always known you that way and seen you with dignity. You're a person of importance to Him. So think about it for a moment. Imagine a celebrity or a famous person alive today, somebody that you look up to. I mean, I don't know who they would be, but maybe somebody that you respect, some author that you read, or some, somebody that you, you say, this is, this is an important person. I, I, I'm kind of a fan of this person. How would it make you feel if you realized that that important person right now knew your name? What's more, they're following you on social media. Once more, they hit like at one of your posts. Imagine it. This famous person that you look up to put like next to the picture of your breakfast burrito. <laughs> How would that make you feel? I mean, wouldn't you feel kind of important? Wouldn't you think, wow, that's a boost to my self-esteem. This, this famous person's liking my breakfast picture, right? Now, if you can imagine that, Recognize that that's just a fraction of what she would, we, we should feel recognizing that God is aware of us, that God watches us, that God loves us, that God knows us by name. And He always has. He's always seen us as persons with dignity. Psalm 119 says this, Your hands 
made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. In other words, God, you're the reason I am. You're the reason I exist. You're the one who's responsible for me. So show me how to live. Show me what to do. See, part of this dignity that we have is simply because we are part of the human race, and the human race is a race of individuals created in the image of God. And you were always human. Inside the womb, outside the womb, you were always human. We need to make that point, and we need to make that point loudly. Uh, in his book, A Case for Life, Scott Kusseldorf writes this. He says, you did not come from an embryo. You were once an embryo. At no point in your prenatal development did you undergo a change of nature. You began as a human being and will remain so. Sure, you lack maturity at the early stages of life, as do all infants, but you were human nonetheless. And here's what God says about humans. Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The image of God. Each of us, each of us reveals a little picture about our God in small ways. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your language or the tone of your skin. All of us carry the image of God. That dignity is for all. And this image has been tarnished because of sin in our lives, but it's still there. And it is essential to who we are. It is what makes us human. It's seen in our relational capacities, in our creative and intellectual capacities. It's seen in the fact that we have a spiritual capacity. It's noted in our ability to choose freely either for or against something and to love someone. All of that is the image of God, and it gives us dignity unpossessed by other creations. So, you can call yourself Mr. and Mrs. Miss Wonderful, because that's who you are. But thirdly, God planned your destiny before you were born. He knew who you'd be, and He knew where you'd go. He knew what He wanted you to do. Back in verse 16 again, all the days written in your book. Before one of them came to be, God saw them all. When God was speaking to Jeremiah, He says in Jeremiah 1, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. David says, listen, my destiny, what you want me to be doing and be in life, all of that was known to you before I was born. And God turns that around to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, I've got a, a, a job for you. And it's to be a prophet in a difficult moment, a prophet in a sad time in the nation of Israel. But this job is the pro of the prophet is something that I had in mind for you from before you were born. In other words, God is never surprised or taken off guard when you all of a sudden show interest in something. When you all of a sudden show aptitude for something, when something in school, man, that just carries your, your, your uh, fantasy and you begin to think about it. I love that subject. God does not, is not surprised by that. When you feel passionate about an issue in our society and you want to do something about it, God is not surprised by that. In all of these aspects of our destiny, God is saying, this is just how I planned it. I built it in. Go for it. Because that destiny is what I have in mind for you. God wouldn't let Jeremiah off the hook of serving as a prophet. 
The call came upon his life, and God reassured him in probably a fearful moment. Listen, I know you. I know you got this. I know you can do this, and I got you in it because this is your destiny. That's what God does. That's what love does. When you love someone, you want them to achieve their potential. You want them to live up to what their calling is. You're in their corner. When you love someone, you want them to succeed. Now, we, uh, you know, being human beings, we have the disadvantage of not always knowing exactly what a person's potential is, not always knowing what success would look like for them, but yet we root for the ones we love wanting them to succeed. But God sees it very clearly. He knows exactly who we really are. He knows what we are capable of doing for His glory and for the good of others. Before we're even on the scene, while we're still in our mother's womb, He sees that destiny. He loves you, even there. I was writing these words in this sermon, and I was, as I was writing them, I got word that a baby was born to a family of our church, a baby boy. They knew the baby was going to be a boy before he came. Already the nursery was painted blue. Probably there were little mini-sized baseball gloves somewhere around the room. And even with all the hopes and all the plans and all the dreams that those parents had, preparing for the birth of that baby that happened while I was writing this message, I know that God had more plans and dreams in mind. Why? Because He saw it perfectly and completely. Can you imagine the emotions of that new father when that little life is placed in his hands? Can you imagine looking into the squinty-eyed, red-faced little kid, but knowing, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, that emotion of joy and love, it's not duplicated anywhere else except for a much grander scale on the way that God feels about you. He peers through the passages of time and space, and he says, I have plans from you right from the start. I know exactly what you can do. Now, this weekend, today, we're talking about the tragedy of abortion in light of all of this. And the numbers that we throw around when we talk about abortion, after a while, can leave you numb. But here's what it looks like. Macro, big picture. If you were to just kind of parse it all out, even though there's ups and downs, on average, over the time that abortion has been legal, 4,000 babies per day are aborted in our nation. Now, again, numbers leave you numb, but it, it struck me this past week. Because as I was watching the news this past week, I don't know if you noticed it, there was a day where the death rate over COVID-19 bubbled up over 4,000 in one day. And the news reported it as it is a tragic, urgent thing that we need to respond to as a people. But it's happened every day, day after day, for decades. And it's not on the news. You see, each of those babies had possibilities. Each of those babies had value. Each had, had a, a mission from God, a purpose from God. And when I think about that, I, I think about what is the world missing what problems are not being solved? What solutions are not being posed? What discoveries are not being made? Because the ones who had that mission, that destiny, are not with us. They were already loved by God, but my point is they should have been having the opportunity to be loved by us. And so we, we rail against the 
immorality of abortion. I don't know if the name Norma McVeigh rings a bell with you, but she is the Jane Roe of the Roe versus Wade court case back in 1973, that case that made abortion legal in the United States. Over the years, Norma McVeigh had a change of heart due to the fact that she came to know Christ as her personal Savior. She's written at least two books, one of them written in 1998 entitled One by Love, and this is what she writes. I'm quoting her. A few weeks after my conversion, I was sitting in an office and I noticed a fetal development poster. The progression was obvious. The eyes were so sweet. It hurt my heart just looking at them. Something in the photo made me lose my breath. I kept seeing the picture of that tiny 10-week-old embryo, and I said to myself, that's a baby. That's a baby. It was as if blinders just fell off my eyes, and I suddenly understood the truth. And that baby was loved by God right there in the mother's womb. And what I want you to understand today and take home with you is that when you were that baby, you were loved by God right in your mother's womb. You need to trust that. Because if you do not trust that, what God says about the fact that He loved you even then when you are fearfully and wonderfully made, if you don't trust that, you will find it hard to trust that He loves you now when hard times come. And you will find it hard to love others. If you don't have the bedrock underneath your feet that you are wonderfully loved by God and you always have been, even in the womb, when you couldn't do anything for Him, you couldn't serve Him in any way, there was no service that you could provide, if you don't trust that you were loved there, you will begin to think now that I need to earn that love. And you will think, well, maybe others need to earn that love as well, especially those who don't look like me. And once that is your thinking, despair will follow because you're never going to be good enough and no one you know will be good enough. But when you remember that you don't have to earn that love, when you understand that He has loved you with sovereign love and you are unable to do anything when, when you couldn't do anything for Him and there's nothing that was on the positive side of your scale that He should love you, but He just simply loved you because that's who He is. When this is the starting point of your life, that I am loved by God, I always have been, even before I was born and breathing air, it will order your life, and your life will be lived in the shadow of that love. It will enable you to love others. It is the secret. And it will give you confidence to come before God and do and say the things that David says at the very end of this psalm. He's reveling in the love of God even before he was born. And so at the end of the psalm, he can say these bold words. Go to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Once I am completely assured that God loves me through and through, I can come to Him, no fear, no reservation, opening myself up and know that whatever He does, He will do in love. And you can trust Him for that. One small boy asked his dad, Dad, how big is God? And the answer is, He's always a bit bigger than you need. 
we ask the question, how much does God love me? Always a bit more than I deserve. Let's pray together. Lord, please assure us of your love. For the person sitting here today or listening online who looks around the rubble of their life and they begin to doubt your love, they think they're not good enough, not doing enough, please convince us that your love is sovereign, your love is eternal. It doesn't depend on who we are because it's really about who you are. So, Lord, we want to welcome that love into our lives, knowing that it will give us firm foundation and an ability to be the people you call us to be. Help us do that. Help us be that, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.